all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. The blame game is something that many of us have experienced. It's someone else's fault, right? Has this ever happened to you? Do you believe that many of us have problems taking responsibility for our own actions? The truth is, we do, and there are reasons why. So today we'll talk about the blame game and ways to stop it. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning and thanks for listening. The blame game is something that we really have all experienced. Um, It's something that we probably, many of us do, even inadvertently at times. It's somebody else's fault, right? No matter what happened, that phone call, that text that you didn't respond to, maybe uh, the fact that you're late for something. Has it ever happened to you? Do you believe that many of us have problems taking responsibility for our own actions, just being responsible? Well, the truth is, we do. The reasons why we do this, and and some of them are not terrible reasons, but today we'll talk about the blame game and ways to stop it and how if you don't watch it and if you don't stop it, then it may be that people start believing that you can't be accountable for anything. We also know that we have to be careful about that model, as we've talked about. So if we're not accountable for our own actions, if we're always blaming somebody or something else or some other situation for everything that happens that goes a little bit awry, then what kind of model is that for our children? Uh, Not a good one, right? So 
in honor, Michelle and I love to do theme theme oriented things. Michelle McAdoo, my producer, and I, and we were talking about what to do, right, Michelle? Yeah. National Blame Someone Else's Day. Did you even know it existed? No, I didn't. Me even. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell them about that day? Or? Yeah. Well, it. It actually, this year, is coming up on Friday the 13th. It's the first Friday of the month that falls on the 13th. Right. Is that and right? The lucky month is September. Yeah. So September, Friday the 13th is National Blame Someone Else's Day. <laughs> so it's your chance to blame someone else for that day. But like you said, we're going to talk about how not to do that, how, how not, not to, to be do that, that person. Right. And so actually this came about, I thought it was kind of funny, uh, Michelle. It came about um, from a woman, Ann Muller of Michigan um, way back in 1982 uh, when she started this holiday. One, di- one time her alarm clock didn't go off, she said, and since um, she had a terrible day, and the day happened to be Friday the 13th, so she thought, we need, we need a national blame something else, someone else day. And so hence... Uh, even a national day for not taking responsibility for your own actions. Gosh. Okay. Um, I'd love for you guys to call in, weigh in on what you think. Has this ever happened to you? Did you, do, do you find yourself doing it or do you find others doing it over and over and over again? And you know that ultimately they need to be accountable but not sure how to talk about it or approach it. Give us a call. We'll talk about all that at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org, and we'll pick up on that. So I want to read you a couple of quotes from actresses. I thought um, both of them said things pretty succinctly. So Erin Cummings said, at the end of the day, you are solely responsible for your success and your failure. And the sooner you realize that, you accept that and integrate that into your work ethic, you will start being successful. As long as you blame others for the reason you aren't where you want to be, you will always be a failure. Now, that's pretty strong. Um, The other one, uh, Catherine Hepburn is an actress that I've always, always admired, and I'm so sorry we lost her. But this is hers. We are taught that you must blame your father, your sisters, your brothers, the school, the teachers, but never blame yourself. It's never your fault, but it's always your fault. Because if you wanted to change, you're the one who's got to change. So I think Catherine said it right, too, is that we we just keep finding people to blame. And I know um, I've talked to many people who who blame their parents, perhaps, for the way they turned out. Now, 
there may be some reasons behind that, and we've talked about that a lot on our show. Um, perhaps, you know, a parent mismanaged um, discipline, or perhaps a parent was a helicopter parent who increased anxiety and uh, did not allow someone to stretch as they might have stretched. Yes, that can happen. I think so if you if you want to say that these issues happen to you, then how do you move forward without blaming that parent, that mother, that father, or that teacher who maybe wasn't the best teacher? How do you get beyond blaming them for your whole life? Uh, because we know that is completely unproductive, and we have to get beyond that. So... Um, today we'll be talking about why why we play the blame game, um, and then um, toward the end of the show we're going to talk a lot more about how we get beyond that, how we stop um, producing an excuse for everything that happens, and instead of saying I apologize. Or, I have no excuse, it happened, I'll try to correct it, right? You know, Dr. Butchers, uh, yeah. um, Liz and I were in here talking about uh, how children mimic, of course, parents' behaviors and things Absolutely. like that. She was saying when she was when her kids were younger or in high school, if they didn't want to go to a concert with a friend, she'll tell them to bl- just blame me. Say, my mom wouldn't uh, doesn't want me to go. So they will get out of it and save face. That's a neat thing, you know, to blame someone else in that case. But I was telling her that, you know, your kids do watch us. They they listen to what mm-hmm. we say. If we're on the phone with a friend or something and we just make up an excuse, our children are watching. They're looking at our behavior. Yeah. So they learn from us how to blame others, too. Yeah. So as parents, we have to watch. Do we do this all the time? Do we blame others? Do we take responsibility for things that happen in our lives when our children are young because they will grow up and mimic that behavior? Yeah. So that's very interesting. And I've heard that used before. Blame me. Um, and and maybe I have even done that because my um, oldest son who uh, was one of the older individuals in his class uh, because he had a September 11th birthday. Um, He was driving earlier. But because I had listened to the highway patrol about the fact that it's really with early drivers, you don't want them to have a big crowd of individuals in their car when they're first driving. One of my rules was um, you can't have friends for the first six months that you're driving because I want you to get real comfortable paying attention and the like. And I said, if somebody asks you for a ride, you can blame me because it was the truth. I had made that rule. And so I would say to Liz and other parents when they, you know, I think it's okay to say, well, you know, if you're uncomfortable going to that concert, then the answer is no, you couldn't go even if they talked you into it. So you can tell them, I won't let you go. That way, instead of just blaming me to put it back and say, I am the reason, um, to, to, to put it in a little more definitive terms, uh, like that, I think sometimes may be the better model. 
Um, does that make sense, Michelle? It does. And yeah. um, when you talk about blame, we're going to get into taking responsibility later on in the show. But that's a real, especially with me having an almost 16-year-old. She'll be 16 October 16th. Right. And, and I was telling Liz, teaching your teenager how to take responsibility and not to micromanage as a parent right and pull back but when you pull back you want them to take responsibility and actually do what you ask them to do and that's challenging so again teaching your teens uh how to take responsibility and not blame society or blame whatever for something that didn't or did happen right that's challenging how do parents do that it's challenging i think the way parents do it is to help their child develop confidence. Now, one thing I want to say before our first break is that, you know, blame is a great defense mechanism, right? Um, So it may be that you're trying to protect yourself or you're denying or you're trying to displace, but blame helps you preserve um, your goodness, right? Your, maybe your, um, or, or maybe it helps you avoid punishment. So so let's talk just for a second about that. The issue is many times in children who tell the truth, the punishment is just as severe um, or more severe than if they came up with a crafty lie that worked well or that they they flexed the blame off to someone else. And are deflected the blame off to someone else. So I think what we need to do is remember there should be some reward in being accountable, uh, being apologetic for your actions, and then working toward improving things. So we need to make sure that we don't inadvertently reward the wrong thing because if somebody deflects the blame to someone else, Um, and they don't get in trouble and the other individual does, or they've blamed it on the dog eating the homework, whatever it is, and they don't get in trouble, the dog does, then then um, then you've rewarded someone for blame placing elsewhere. So um, with that, let's go to our first break. I'd love to hear what our listeners are thinking. We have all open lines right now. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about the blame game. Being accountable, taking responsibility for your own actions, making sure that that you take ownership of what happened. If it is your fault, now I'm I'm not promoting that you take the blame for things that are not your fault. Um, But the reality is many times we come up with excuses when we're late, 
when a job hasn't been done, when um, something is lost, when something is broken, or perhaps a situation didn't go well. We tend to try to find ways to deflect from ourselves. Now, before the break, we talked about it being a defense mechanism, and, and certainly, certainly that is true. That's probably the majority of the time is what happens, that, that we're trying to defle- deflect any kind of damage away from us. Um, but, but there are some other uh, issues, too. Um, one of them is that it's a good tool to use when we feel like we're being attacked, when we are, um, feel like there's a destructive conflict and you need uh, a resolution. Or maybe it's when you want to attack someone else. So if things are going awry, then you say, well, you're the one who started it or um, you're the one who forgot to do whatever you forgot to do. Um, so it's it's a way we often do that to our own partners um, that we we don't want to be the one responsible. And so if you're feeling attacked, uh, the way to deflect is to attack back. Right. And to blame. So that's something to think about. Michelle, I think you wanted to say something else. I was thinking yeah. about what you just said about um, protecting it. Yeah. The first uh, line of defense. Remember, as a young child, you're playing in the house and the vase breaks and or the glass breaks and mom or dad. Oh, my God, what happened? And no one takes responsibility. Right. <laughs> and oh, my God, who did it? And it's funny that um, you see that on television, you see that on the sitcoms and things like that. You never see the, see the child saying, I did it. It was me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't my sister or my brother. It was me. Yeah. You don't see that, but you always see either the three kids team up together and try to come up with a, uh, you know, a solution, a solution yeah. of, so no one gets in trouble. But it start, like you said, it starts at a young age. It and does. we were asking people, give us a call and let us share your stories about blame. Have you been, um, have you, are you the person that blames people all the time or do you get blamed all the time? Are you in a relationship that you get blamed from your spouse or do you normally blame them for things and you don't look at yourself? We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear if you're uh, teaching your children how to be responsible and not blame. Uh, give us a call. Again, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We love to hear your stories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk. Uh, I think examples are always good. I'll tell you one. Um, this is a personal. I have so many personal stories. This is about me when I was young. Um, we lived in a big rambling house, and there were lots of us, seven kids. And my sister and I um, were running around the house. And the the house was such that you could run from the kitchen around in a circle through the, di- through the living room, the den, and back to the kitchen. And we were running around. Of course, Mom had told us not to. We were anyway, and I tripped over a lamp cord, and bam, this is a true story. The lamp fell on the floor, and it smashed. And Martha and I were both terrified, terrified. And um, 
this is what and mom came in and said, you know, what happened? Who broke this? And I said, I'm pretty sure I fell into a puddle of tears. But I said I did. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. And mom said, you know, I told you girls not to run in the house. Both of you go sit down for a few minutes. Um, I didn't get any horrible thing. Um, She said, I'm glad you told me the truth, but you shouldn't have been running. And so we both sat down. I was terrified um, and very remorseful. But, you know, I think I was sort of rewarded for telling the truth in that she didn't start screaming and yelling. That wasn't her style anyway. And um, we stopped running because we would never run through the living room again because um, I knew that probably I would break something else. So, you know, if we can remember that as parents to make sure that the truth doesn't hurt worse than a lie or a deflection of blaming, um, I'm sure there were plenty of times when I deflected the blame to one of my sisters or brother brothers, but um, that particular time stands out in my mind. Yeah. And you're right. I like how at a young age, it taught you that telling the truth and taking the responsibility for my actions actually makes the situation better. A lot of, um, especially my friend's son, he is 13. So, ooh, 13. And I hear him all the time saying, just tell me the truth. And this summer, I heard him tell him, you're more concerned about what's going to happen to you if you tell me the truth. Don't worry about that. I need you to, from this point on, understand that you can tell me whatever. And as teen, uh, mother of a teenager, I need her to, my daughter to understand that it doesn't matter the ramifications or what you think is going to happen. I need to know the truth. Right. And that's better. It makes the situation better. Right. It's so, it's easy, though, for us to, to talk about those situations. But if we think about it, how many times do we fall into situations when when they're more um, difficult? Let, let me give an example, too, of um, how blame can be a way to try to control someone. And listeners, some of you may have this happening to you right now. Some people try to control others by blaming them and making them feel like they are the reason that bad things are happening. It happens in domestic violence, actually. Um, And just to bring up something very serious right now, even though I know we're talking lightly about broken lamps, um, in domestic violence situations, often the perpetrator, the one who is imparting the violence, blames the individual who is receiving the violent actions because of their behavior. Well, you kept asking me the same question over and over again. Or, well, I told you to have dinner ready at blah, and it wasn't ready. Or... You never control the children. It's your fault because I wouldn't get as upset if you had a better control of the kids. So that that blame placing can escalate into something really pathologic and really damaging and and allow an individual to then um, 
be demeaned and um, to to make that individual feel um, lesser than and perhaps to blame. And you hear that often when we are dealing with individuals who are stuck in domestic um, violence. Now, something simpler might happen with a sibling or or a spouse um, that still is very hurtful, labeling um, that spouse or sibling as selfish or arrogant or a snob, you know, perhaps one of those individuals who is, you know, you're just always wanting something or desiring something. So sometimes... um, the the blame placing is is a way to try to control that individual so has ha, do you think you're stuck in that do you feel like that um some blame placing has sort of stuck you into that vicious cycle uh, again we want to hear from you would love for you to join in at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. well we've already talked about one of the other issues the learned behavior um how parents just don't teach their kids now it may be the fact that you're a model so you're modeling that that kind of negative behavior but it it may be too um, that you are actually telling them it's someone else's fault. Well, you know the. Let me give you a few examples. Um, the The fact that you can't go to sleep at night is because so and so allowed you to watch a scary show. Or the fact that you couldn't complete your homework is because the coach kept you at practice too long. Or, um, to you know, you can go on and on like that. So to make excuses instead of the child taking responsibility. The fact that you had that car accident was because that noisy friend who was sitting in the car was distracting you. Um, You know, you need to make sure that your child is taking responsibility for their own action. Okay. Well, before I go to the next, let's go on. We have Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Thanks for calling. Hey, good morning. Thank you for this show. As usual, I mean, it's it's wonderful. Um, uh, It gives me insight every time. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So... uh, what I'd like to have more discussion about is uh, blame, excuse, and or reason. I mean, you know, what, what's the difference between having blaming somebody, having a, uh, making an excuse about it, or having an actual reason? Well, great question. So um, I think um, blaming someone else are making up an excuse are, are pretty much one and the same. Um, you know, you're blaming the clock, the dog, the house, the person. It doesn't matter that you're not taking ownership. If you truly have a reason, then give the reason. And people will believe that there is truly a reason if you don't 
always deflect everything that happens. Um, you know, I think we all know there are individuals out there who have an excuse for every single thing. And every now and then it really is okay to say, I don't have an excuse. I forgot. Or um, I don't have an excuse. I did not give myself enough time to get to this meeting. Um and, you know, I am I am notorious about trying to cram too much. My husband will call in if I don't admit to this. I'm notorious about trying to cram too much into a day. And so, you know, I've got appointment after appointment. And so um, I won't allow the travel time or the downtime to get there. And, and that's one of those things that I've had to take responsibility for more than once. Yeah, I just didn't give myself enough time. And may, so, I ask, may I ask another question? Sure. Um, what if you're, when you are, not if, what if, when you are on the receiving end of the you know, total repetition of excuse, you know, um, and blame. Um, what do you do? What do you do? That's a really good question, Mikey. And um, and I would say that at some point there, there are probably three ways you can respond to it. Um, one, when they when they say the excuse, take a deep breath, don't respond, and um, let there be that what I call pregnant silence, so they know that you're not buying it. Um, two, you can say, "Oh goodness, I've heard that one before. Maybe you need to come up with another one if you like being sarcastic." Um, or or three, you can accept it and and know that 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 it's not the truth and just move forward. But but the reality of it is, um, I think it's okay to allow someone to know that that um, that you aren't always buying this. If it's an employee or somebody that you're really trying to keep true to their word and get good work ethic out of them, it's really important to call them on it and say you've been, instead of saying I don't believe your excuse, you can say you've been late for work um, two out of five mornings. Um, I need you to be on time. This is not going to be excused any further. That's, you know, instead of bantering back and forth and rather they're telling the truth, often it's um, important to just call what just happened and then say a consequence of it continuing. So, well, thanks for your call, Mikey. I'm being signaled it's time for us to go to our first break, uh, second break, when we... No, first. I'm confused. Second break. Oh, my goodness. This morning's going by too fast. Blame it on me. Blame, blame it on me. I'm going to blame it on Michelle. No. <laughs> oh, we're talking about the blame game. Uh, this is Relatively Speaking, and... Um, we want to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back. There's nothing left to Blame, you're about to give it. I'm about to take it. Yeah, we're going down in flames. What can we do when we're only human? Everybody makes mistakes. 
an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and this is Relatively Speaking. And today we're talking about the blame game. Blaming others, not taking ownership for our own actions. Um, it can start very early, very at a very young age. And if if it's not, if that cycle's not broken, then it can continue to be a big problem all the way into adulthood. And the honest truth is, lots of relationships end up with breakups. Lots of friends, friend breakups, lots of love relationships break up, and fights happen between all of that because of the blame game. People start blaming each other when problems arise, and then they just don't know how to deal with it and how to call it. So let's go back to the phones. We have uh, Sharon down south in Pascagoula. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Thanks for calling. Tell us what your story is. I hear you have a story. Well, I do have a small story. I'm a school teacher, so I have had to deal with the subject many times. Mm, and um, my story is about the consequences that are already in place. And here's my example. I had a child who said some very ugly curse words in my class. And all the other children told on him, and I asked him, is this true? He said, yes, I did it. He said, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. And, of course, I complimented him for telling me the truth because I don't always get the truth. Right. And, and I said, this says good things about you. I said, but you do know there is a consequence for this, and you will have to serve the consequence, which in his case was returning to his regular classroom. Uh-huh. He became very angry and said, well, I told you I was sorry. And I tried to explain, you know, that that was a very good thing that he had done, and I was proud of him. And... You know, the nicest to him I, I could be, but he had to serve the consequence. Right. And so that made me, when you had mentioned earlier about making the um, consequences or telling the truth worse than not telling the truth, I wonder if that's what went through his mind, that he felt like he should have not told the truth. Well, did you already know that he truly was the individual who had been saying the bad words? I did. You knew. But I needed for him to tell me. So this is... This this is my thought on this, Sharon, and, and as a school teacher, I have to tell you, I have not been in a situation of teaching other than teaching medical students, and, and we even have issues come up there, but not so much like this. Um, so <clears throat> I wonder if you already knew that he was the person um, what if you had instead said, Tommy, I know that you were not saying nice words in in the classroom. Is that the truth? That's, you know, to turn it around um, a little bit right. um, because you already knew. So to let him know that that he needed to tell the truth, you already knew the truth. Um, or you could have said, Tommy... I know you were saying bad words in the classroom. 
and um, just to to stop it and look at him. I think that is a tough situation. Um, Yes, he probably did think through his mind, well, I should have never told the truth because otherwise. The other thing you could have done is said, um, because you told me the truth, I'll allow you to stay in the classroom. I expect that you're respectful in this classroom, and if another... um, bad word is ever emitted from your mouth, then this is a consequence. So you could have turned it around. I, I don't know. I'd love to. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, and, and we have this problem in the classroom. This was not the first time. This right. was one of many, many times. Right. And, and that's what we're dealing with so frequently in the classroom. Right. And we're also dealing with the fact that usually we get a denial. Right, And so even if I see the action, and they see me see it, I will say often, no, I didn't. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you see the action and you know it happened, I would never put it in a question as to Mm -hmm. did you do it. I would turn it around and say, you did this. There are consequences. These are the consequences. And, and that's probably a very good idea. Right, right. Separate those incidents of when I saw it and I did not. Right, right. I would definitely separate the instances and never put it in a question. That's what I tell parents to do, too. Don't mm-hmm. ask the child a question if you know the answer because then you kind of set them up for a lie. Um, you know, my, my example of my sister and, and, um, me running through the house was mom really didn't know who had broken the lamp. Um, it was me or my sister. And so, um, I, I, that, that's kind of a different situation, but if you know it, call it is, is the way I would approach it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. But even though we really do try to, you know, may almost make a hero out of them for telling the truth. Yep, and I think that is really important. And you know, I think you can you can say to the class as a whole, "I'm really proud of him for for having told the truth." Unfortunately, there are these consequences that I have to follow through on. Um, but but I expect Again, the question is a very uh, it does. Do exactly as you said, and so that's something to remember. Right. Just make the statement. Mm-hmm. Sharon, thanks for calling. That okay. helped me make a well, point that I, I think is helpful for parents and teachers show. to remember. I really enjoy it. It's truly an issue that we all deal with. I'm sure. And thank you for teaching. We need more caring teachers out there. We've got a lot of great teachers who we know are in tough situations, and we appreciate you. And we just need all the help we can get. Thank you for giving it. You're welcome. Okay, let's stay on the phones. We have Marie in Mobile. Hi, Marie. Thanks for calling. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. In in vain of uh, the, if you know, if you know what really happened, not asking to make the statement. I had a uh, manager that he had a habit. If he knew an employee had done something wrong, he would um, ask them, even though he knew, so he could catch them in a lie or not catch them in a lie. And I, 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 got, I, was, I was his assistant, so 
I saw this happen so many times. And so the point is, if you know and you don't say you know, you're actually demonstrating to them a form of deception or lying on your own. So if you know, you need to say yeah. you know. Yeah, call it. So if you, wow, what a terrible management technique is all I can say, I think. Um, Because what you're trying to do, like I said, we know why people participate in the blame game because many times it's a protective mechanism and yeah. certainly in the workplace you it's hard to hold yourself accountable for something negative that happened and well, so especially if you do have someone that is looking to blame something on you right. they're, they're looking for that right so anyway, that was just that just came in my mind that um because i even asked him one time if you know, why are you asking them? Why don't you address the problem? So um, Good for anyway, you. Was, I, I saw that many times and it just made me furious. Yeah. To me, and uh, I think the classroom is a little bit different, but to me yeah. in the workplace to use that kind of technique is uh, cowardly because um, apparently he's looking for uh, another reason to get someone in in trouble without directly um, approaching the true situation. Or and, even looking for a positive solution. I mean, right. employees get where they're paranoid. You know, they don't want to talk to him because what you're trying to find on me now. So it, yeah. it was just a bad situation. That's a, that's a really, uh, that's a shame. And, and I applaud you. I don't know if you were working under him or above him, but I applaud you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then I really applaud you for um, well, I, asking. I am thankful that um, he allowed me to say a lot of things to him behind closed doors, of course, that uh, other people couldn't say. Right. So, um, but anyway, I'm retired, so it doesn't matter now. Well, yeah, yeah. To again, to to be able to approach people um, with the truth and and to not work to catch them in a lie, because you know the sometimes the there truly is something or someone to blame, and and that's that's okay. It's it's okay. Um, I think the the issue is that many times um it's it's not and so bad management technique for the workplace always better for a supervisor if they know something to call it um and then to offer as you just mentioned a solution rather than trickery to try to catch someone to make make them go down in flames not good i, I think one of the reasons that I made it um, is that I had no problem saying, boy, I messed up on this one and here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And here's the lesson I learned from it. Right. So I kind of avoided being the victim of that. Good for you. In my career. Anyway, I just want to share that. If you know it, call it. That's right. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Thank you, Marie, so much for your call. Okay. We're going to go to our final break. I got that right. And then we'll get to Jean in Mobile, who has a story about his boys. I can't wait to hear. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about the blame game. We still have time for another caller. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 
800-242-7464. We'll be right back. podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. Today we're talking about the blame game, and we're going to go right on back to the phones. We have Gene in Mobile, who has a story about his boys in a fish tank. Talk to us, Gene. Hey. Hi. It's been a long time ago because my kids are 50 and 54, so <laughs> they were about 10 and 12 at that time. We sat at the end of the bar one time having supper. And a 10-gallon fish tank sat down in a little cubby hole out by the bar. And we were all eating our supper, and all of a sudden, the the, uh, the glass in the front of that thing just exploded. Oh, well, wow. My God, it, just, it was gone. And one of my boys looked at the door and said, I sure am glad they're here to see that, because they never would have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> and they would have been right. <laughs> so sometimes you have to check a little further. <laughs> That's exactly true. And sometimes when kids are telling the truth, unfortunately, we we don't believe them. Um, and well, sometimes it's hard to believe. It's them. hard to believe a story <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, you know that has happened before. Actually, really? um, yeah, there there actually uh, were some fish tanks that had. I read about this. Had um, faulty glass or whatever um so with that said that's funny but it's we had to think for a number of years so mm-hmm. i don't know what what possession just a crack right that supper time but fish is all over the floor and once he said he said i sure am glad they saw that <laughs> well he was true but uh, telling the truth but you know, I think that's a really good example of when we, have to stop and listen to them. we do. It's really important to make sure that we don't get our children into a situation where we never expect that they're telling the truth. That's right. Um, so, Gene, thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Well, why don't we take a few minutes, these last um, three minutes, to talk a little bit about some ways that we can get beyond the blame game. So how do you try to kick the habit or help your child kick the habit of um, blame game, blame placing, not taking ownership? So... Obviously, you don't want to take the blame for everything, right? You're not going to do that. You take the blame for only what you should. You don't want to be that martyr. What you want to be is taking appropriate ownership. So here are a couple of things today uh, that you can do or you can help your child or an associate do um, to break that habit of blame shifting. Okay, When something happens, take a deep breath and kind of make yourself think through um, what just happened, what was that trigger, and then before you react or say anything to anyone, um, make sure that you really understand the situation, 
and you're going to tell the truth and think about the consequences. Why why do you shift blame? Um, it's usually embarrassment or fear or feeling inadequate. So you have to get over that and take a few moments to make yourself build that self-esteem and take ownership so you don't have a knee-jerk reaction, right? Make yourself reframe it as an opportunity to learn or help your child understand this can be an opportunity to learn. Just like we had our caller, um, Sharon, the teacher, who was talking about, um, you know, to, to make a statement, say thank you. There are consequences for this behavior. The behaviors will happen. But it's not a failure. It doesn't mean a failure in character. It doesn't mean that you're a bad or a horrible person. It means that a behavior happened. There are consequences. And so we're going to move forward. So every single mistake we make uh, doesn't have to have a huge consequence or huge ownership. If you do shift the blame and you realize that you've shifted the blame, then catch yourself and apologize. You can turn it around and say, oh, oh, goodness, it was really my fault. Or I really didn't have an excuse or um, I will try to do better next time. Um, or that was a slip of the tongue to to come up. Keep things in perspective. Um, make sure that you don't blow something way out of proportion that in in all of life's works, it's minuscule. So keep things in perspective. Um, don't don't make things into something huge. Address it and then let it go. Um, I know there's that children's song, Let It Go, but it's really true. You just have to make yourself learn how to keep things in perspective. If you take blame, if something negative happens, okay, you addressed it, you took ownership, and now it's over and life's good again, right? So thanks, everybody, for listening. We so appreciate it. And um, I want to thank... our producer, Michelle McAdoo, our call screener, Liz Gill, and and thank all our listeners and callers for, for joining into the program. I hope you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio, and we will see you on the radio next week. <laughs>